White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 400. 10, 9, 8, 7, ignition sequence started. All engines are started. We have ignition. 2, 1, 0. We have a liftoff. We have a liftoff and it's lighting up the area. It's just like daylight here at Kennedy Space Center. The Saturn V is moving off the tail. It is now clear to the top. Welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment, in association with all of our great supporters via Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and we are here for the penultimate Game of Thrones White Rocket discussion episode, and as always, I'm joined by my great friend and co-fan of Game of Thrones and many other things, John Ringer. Welcome back aboard, John. Thanks for having me, Van. Well, sir, we have things to talk about tonight. I let me let me set this up, and I'm going to kick it over to you and get your feeling on it. But as we usually do, we kind of do our overview first, kind of our like you know uh, the strategic before we get into the tactical. And I watched the episode last night, Sunday night, and was kind of aghast and just not quite sure and shocked what I was seeing. And so I sat for a minute, and then I went on Twitter to see what people were saying, and I had a couple of issues, but man, people were very disappointed and upset in it, and I've continued to see that all day, though I haven't really said much. I've noticed that if you have said much, I haven't seen it. And then when I listened to one of the other shows that I listened to about this stuff, actually, listen, this is funny, John. I listened to parts of two other podcasts that talk about this show. One of them, they absolutely hated it. And the other one, they absolutely loved it. But I think that loving it was in the minority. I have issues, but I didn't hate it. Not like some people do. Um, so let me kick it to you. Overall, bird's eye, dragon's eye view, what are your feelings about it? I didn't like it. Okay. I I have issues. I and again, like I come from a place of you know I love the books, I love the TV show, I love the characters. So two episodes left, huge character story arcs. You know, I think a lot of the things they did w- could have worked. Could have. If they'd had more time, if they had taken more time mm. and built in more episodes of more conversations to get there. Mm-hmm. But I think they didn't build that connective tissue, so they made a bunch of leaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but I, and I think it, you know, we have these huge, you know, eight year character arcs mm-hmm. ending in an unsatisfactory way. And, and um, I, I don't enjoy that. I have two minds about it. On the one hand, you're absolutely right. They did they did what they needed to do to get the story where it needed to be rather than relying on established character traditions and behavior. I call that being Lindeloft. Meaning you bend the story to you, you bend the characters to suit to suit the story rather than letting the story flow naturally and organically out of the characters you've established. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you may know where I got that from, but it's the reason I don't have high hopes for Watchmen. I, in in any in any other circumstances, I would be so excited for an HBO Watchmen series. But knowing that Damon Lindelof is the showrunner, he is the king of forcing stuff to go the way he wants it to go, even if it's not the way any normal character would ever behave. You know, he, in other words, he's responsible for the, that second Star Trek movie a couple of years ago and um, Lost, although I never really watched that, so I can't comment, and uh, Prometheus and a couple other things where characters just be- behave in completely illogical fashion. Now, it's not quite as bad here. So like I said, on the one hand, I'm with you. But on the other hand, you got to give them credit for one thing. Even if you don't like the way it was executed, 
they these two guys, the two showrunners, they were left with like a box of marbles that had been thrown all over a football field. And they said, all right, we've got X amount of time to get all these marbles back to the various places they need to go. And we need it all to make sense. And I'll be darned if 95% of the time, at least, they did that. Now, the problem is, just because it made sense for the pieces to get back you know, where they needed to go, didn't always mean that's where they felt like the characters would have done it, right? And so you get erratic. Like, like we needed... You know, you can take any you can take any controversial moment the last couple of seasons, and you can see. I mean, you can just you look at that scene, and you can just see the writers' room where they're saying, "All right, we need A, B, C, and D to be accomplished by the end of this episode." And they're like, "Okay, we'll put them all here, and this will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen." And you're like, "Wow, that's amazing! If you do those things, you get A, B, C, and D." The problem is. For all those things to happen to get A, B, C, and D, the characters have to do stuff the characters wouldn't normally ever ever do or that you haven't established them a reason to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, like, for example, we need... Uh, you know, we need John to go up and get a, a zombie to show Danny, I mean, to show uh, Cersei what the whites look like. And we also need one of the dragons to get killed and turned into an ice dragon so it can knock down the wall. And we also need to show that Danny would come and rescue John. Um, but we need, we need Danny to know a way that, to, to, there needs to be a way for Danny to know to come rescue John. So therefore, we'll send just a small party up there. We'll have uh, Gendry come running back <laughs> and tell her at the speed of light, like the Flash, when we'll have the ice, you know, the 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 king, the night king, shoot down, throw throw a javelin and knock down. I mean, it just all these things happen because because they need them to happen. Now, the episode last night, on a scale of one to ten, John, how bad do you think they did that? One being it was fine, and ten being it was totally artificial. Eight. Wow. Okay. Uh, again, and I, I, I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that they could never have gotten there with the characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I'm saying they chose to make a six-episode season. Right. And, and end the show here instead of dragging it out another year or two or turning it over to somebody else and letting them land the plane. <laughs> they chose to stay on board and land the plane themselves and, and cutting it short. They, they cut the runway short and said, just hit the ground and slam on the brakes and we're out of here. And that's and they took the straightest line from A to B to get out of here on plot. And that's what they did. And I think, again, eight seasons and you know, five books so far of character arcs. And I think they gave some real unsatisfying endings to that. And that's why I feel the way I do about it. I, I, I think it's just a shame that this show was going to go down in history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, television series of all time, perhaps. And I'm afraid now it's going to go down as that really good show that everybody hated the ending of. And that's a shame. That's just a shame, you know? It's just a shame. I mean, there's two things about that. One is... No, this is the part that that drives me crazy. Okay, it's a fantasy book series where we basically had an episode, an hour and a half episode of TV Sunday night that probably cost fifty million dollars yeah. to make. Yeah, and it had as just unbelievably epic scale and scope and budget, mm-hmm. and we're never ever 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 going to get anything like that again in terms of the scale and scope and epicness of the story in yeah. eight seasons of character arc build up to get there. And so that's the part that really frustrates me. Not it didn't go the way I wanted it to, mm-hmm. but that there was so much there. Again, this is, I'm going to say this like, again, the show was better when they had a lot less money. Now, again, they had the books to ride on then, but when they didn't have huge CGI budgets, mm. the show was better, and this episode would have been better if there was less CGI explosions and dragon stuff and more characters having a conversation. Mm. And uh, the other part about it is the is the fact that 
I before yesterday I was like, eh, he finishes the books. He doesn't finish the books. Whatever. I'll have the TV show. <laughs> and now this morning I'm like, please, Lord George R. R. Martin, please finish the books so that I can see a different ending. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny. Before last night, I was wondering if anybody would even care about reading the last two books if they did a really good job on the ending of the show. And now I feel like people are going to be desperate for the books in some case. Now, some people will be like, oh, that's that thing that had a terrible ending. I'm not interested, you know. But the people that, that love the books and the people that love the show and don't like the ending – you know, I think we'll sell even more copies than before. And I guess in some ways this is a tragedy that, that it's being received this way. In other ways, it may be the best thing that could have happened to George R. R. Martin and the book publishing company. Yes. Because, I, again, I think if it had ended great, everybody would be like, well, done with that story, you know. What, there's a book? Oh, I've already, I already know that ending, you know what I mean? Whereas now they're going to be like, ooh, Maybe this has a good ending. <laughs> Although I wouldn't hold my breath in terms of George giving you a an ending you're happier about than than what these guys I'm, did. I, I'm not saying I'm, it's going to be a, a sweeter ending. I'm just saying it's going to be a more satisfying ending because he's going to take however many pages it takes to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to say a couple of things about that, though. One is, yeah, it... Somebody said, well, I'm just disappointed it didn't wrap up the way I wanted it to. And I'm like, well, when on Game of Thrones has anything ever gone the way you wanted it to? I mean, I'm like, if it was, if things went the way I wanted them to, Rob Stark would have survived the Red Wedding and still be alive. So it's, it's not that things happened that we didn't want to happen. It's that they happened in a way that either was anticlimactic or forced artificial or not logical. Is that fair? A hundred percent. No, I, I, there's a big difference between like, we had this conversation earlier in, in my house. Like there's a big difference between the early episodes of the show, which had kind of a nihilism yeah. worldview. There's a big difference between that and just like, you know, like what you just said about poor execution. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not the same thing. I would put to you that the same general things that happened in that show last night, you could you could take that script and have you could keep almost every there's a couple of things you'd have to pretty drastically change, but you could keep almost everything and do it slightly differently and it would work a lot better. Yes. And, and we're going to get to those when we get into the main the characters in just a minute. But a couple of other things real quick. You know, I'm not surprised because I've been saying all along, I've been comparing it to Babylon 5. And by the way, I, I thought I was being this original genius <laughs> by comparing it to Babylon 5. And I go over to the Babylon 5 uh, group, one of several. on There's several huge Babylon 5 groups on Facebook. And I went over to the main one, and it's like thread after thread after thread on there is comparing Babylon 5 to Game of Thrones or complaining that people are comparing Babylon 5 to Game of Thrones. So I, I you know, as a fan of both, I, I just, I don't know why that's a bad thing or a, a thing at all other than just they're similar. But, you know, I told you that I predicted how this season would go based on how Babylon 5's ending went, and it's been exactly the same. Um, the irony is that th- this episode of Babylon 5 from last night was called Endgame, which they don't need another thing called Endgame right now. But uh, other than that, it's exactly the same. The only way it would have been different is if Cersei had committed suicide as Danny was smashing her way into the Red Keep. Then it would have been exactly like Babylon 5. Um, if, she'd set off, if, if Cersei had set off all the wildfire in the entire city and she had been the one to burn the city up instead of Danny. And then Cersei had jumped out the window right before the dragon got to her window. That would have been exactly like Babylon 5. But honestly, that would have been a more satisfying ending than what we got last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but the reason I was going to compare it also is that when Babylon 5 Season 3 was happening, that was the setup, and everybody loved it. And then when the first six episodes of Season 4 happened, which settled the business with the shadows and everything, which is like the Night King people hated it. 
So it doesn't surprise me when you get that many people that invested and they love the setup, they all design their own endings. And so I totally agree that much of the complaint is about the execution of the ending, but I think a fair amount is people that just wanted what they wanted to, they had their own headcanon and they wanted to see that rather than what sure. the, what actually happened, you know. And, and yes, there's a lot of people that were never going to be happy unless it was exactly their way and it wasn't going to be their way. Yeah. Has has any creative team stock ever risen so high? These guys were given three Star Wars movies and then fallen so low so quickly. I, I mean, right now, Star Wars fans are like, no! <laughs> you know, it's like a year ago, Star Wars fans more or less were like, yes, get, you know, get some real you know, creative, popular creator guys in here. And now they're like, get it away from them yesterday. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what do you think about that as a Star Wars fan? I think it's, you know, I mean, I don't, I think one is one thing and one is the other. I mean, again, it's three movies, not 10 movies. You know what I'm saying? I think they were doing this so long that they honestly are kind of mail. I feel like they mailed it in a little bit. Well, they also won't be stuck. It, it would be more accurate if like they were doing Star Wars 9. Like if yes. J, if J.J. Abrams and and Rian Johnson had done seven and eight, and then these guys had to come in and do nine, then I would be like, oh my gosh, oh this is going to be such a Lindelof palooza. But since they get to start it, middle it, and finish it, I have a little more confidence. That's fair. All right, let's dig into the characters and the arcs here. I've got a list of quite a few. I mean, you you came up with some, and I added a few, and we can dig through them and just kind of what uh, stream of consciousness what we think um before we do though um i this is where i need to i've been doing it at the end but to be fair as our next to last episode let me go ahead and thank all the folks who keep our programs on the air our patrons keep us going that's the reason that you get to hear these shows and for as little as a dollar a month you can join their ranks and help support our programs and get all sorts of things back as benefits over the last uh, few months john and i uh, of the white rocket uh, network we've given away tons of free books just mailed them out to people uh we have vid- video things we have special podcasts that only our uh, our uh, patrons can hear for weeks at weeks at a time uh, we have quite a few perks we have fantasy leagues and various things if you like that and here are the folks that keep the electricity on at the pal- palatial white rocket studios currently uh, we have to thank Brennan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, Carl Von Drunker, and Phil Amthor. And then, of course, there's Winston Body, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, ben, ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then we have David Hegler, Robert Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolf, Joshua Corbett, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews and Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, <coughs> Josh Teal, Dave Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne and Dave Powell, and finally Jerry, Jeremy Minton, Lane Middleton, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrick, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Spanky, Brant Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, and Lawrence Kane, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Thank you guys all so very much. And you may not always out there want to hear the entire list, but you know what? We read the entire list every show that we can because that's how much we appreciate you guys supporting the shows. And for those of you that are not yet a member, you'll get your name called out too. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, and uh, you'll see the link to become a patron, or you can just go to patreon.com and look up Van Plexico, Van Allen Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. All right, so let's let's look at the characters and the arcs and where they got to individually in this episode and blend it over. Uh, let's start with Danny, Danny because this really was her, you know, it's 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 her storyline kind of coming to a head. I thought it was supposed to be Jon Snow's, but he really hasn't had much to do this season except make dumb decisions, in my opinion, and then stand around with his mouth hanging open, shocked. 
I'm hoping maybe he'll get something to do in the next episode. Right now, I don't have a lot of uh, confidence in him as, as a leader or as a confidant or as anything. So, um, I, in fact, if, if we were, you know, if this were a betting thing where you were putting money on whose stock was rising and whose stock was dropping, I think stock rising Sansa and to a degree Arya. Uh, stock falling, Tyrion, Danny, and John, which is unfortunate. Uh, we can talk about the others as we go along. D- Here's the thing with Danny. I mean, we have to start with her because she made the single most controversial action in this episode and one that it's the one I couldn't justify. Everything else happened in this episode I can justify to a certain degree. I just felt like when she's up on the dragon and the Lannisters are surrendering and the bell's ringing, okay, is she going to let it go at that? No, she still wants revenge on Cersei. I have, I have no problem story-wise, not moral-wise or whatever, but I have no problem story-wise with Danny taking off, zooming all the way across the city and burning the red keep to the ground around Cersei and bite and having Drogon bite Cersei's head off along the way. I can that would have been great. And honestly, if at that point something had happened, like uh, the mountain had stabbed Drogon and given him a mortal wound or something, or shot a scorpion thing into him, you know, if and then he goes crazy and burns the city down, that would have made sense too. But what did you think about her just all of a sudden deciding not to go attack Cersei in the Red Keep, but to do some urban renewal street by street, house by house, in a 45-minute, long, deliberate grid fashion? I I had a real problem with that. Like Again, I get we talked a long time last week about them setting up the Mad Queen thing, and I got it. And and more happened this week to push her in that direction. I mean, they showed her, Mm -hmm. you know, red eyes, not sleeping, not eating. Varys betrayed her. Mm -hmm. John, you know, she uh, felt like he betrayed her. The cold shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so she was feeling more isolated and more alone. And then also the whole like, the people here never loved her like the people no. in Essos did. No. And the people in King's Landing were running away in terror from her yep. as, as she and her dragon were taking the city. And I, she saw that, I think, and knew that she was never going to rule with love. It was going to always be with fear or whatever. But again, like I can't go from there to daenerys targaryen the woman who freed the slaves burning innocent women or children i can't go i i i have a problem with that i think part of it is we never saw another reaction shot from her after it started if we'd seen her i mean it would have been weird and it would have been disconcerting but even if we'd seen her in the middle of all that like clearly insane and cackling and you know yelling Dracarys over and over at least then it'd be like okay she's lost her freaking mind and is just you know gone crazy but it she was engaging in a very step by step very rational sane mm-hmm. destruction program it, it, there wasn't insanity other than what she was doing you know the the way she was doing it was very cold eyed it seemed like it, least, it was methodical methodical that's exactly the word yeah yeah and it I, I know and I mean she again they they did you you can make the argument that they set everything up because like you said they did the things that you just listed. And they even had her say, then let it be fear. But there's a difference between the fear she generated when she just got there and blew a hole in their gate, you know, from the inside and took out their ships versus just killing them all. This, this, is, this is not, you know, saving the city from a tyrant. This is, this is, a, this is a bigger kill my own people accomplishment than the mad king did because he got stopped that's right this is bigger than cersei did i mean toward the end of this episode you know i'm sitting there thinking cersei killed a lot of people in her own city but it was surgical this is 
curing cancer by setting off an atomic bomb in the hospital. Yes. I, it just, I don't know. That, that was the one I had a real problem. Like I said, all the other things that happened, and there's a lot of other things that, that we can quibble, and we will. We'll go through them briefly here. But that was the one that I just felt like utterly rang false. But I, but I don't know what else to say about it. Other than, other than how much how much responsibility does John take because she kept turning to him, she kept being willing to listen to him. She wouldn't even barely listen to Tyrion or anybody else. You know, the only person she wanted around was Grey Worm because I think she knew that Grey Worm and she were on the same page about let's kill all these so so and sos. You know, let's just burn them all down. He he was the one person that was totally in agreement with her. You know. Yes. And but she kept giving John a chance. And he kept, kept giving John a chance to be her boyfriend. Well, I mean, to save the lives of that whole city, can't he just kiss her? God, I he, mean, he's 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 again, it's John Snow. Right. All right. I've he got He thinks it's wrong, therefore know. he's not going to do it. I know. All right. Well, I've got stuff to say, and I'm sure you do too, about him. He's next. But first, to finish out Cersei. Danny. Darn Danny. Well, uh, <laughs> they've kind of swapped now in terms of sympathy, uh, which is insane. The thought that in the space of less than an hour, they could make us have sympathy for Cersei and want to kill Danny is mind boggling. And that's not a subversion in a clever way. That's not even a brilliant turn of the story of the plot. That's just frustrating as a viewer. I I just I just don't even. But I was just going to say uh, <laughs> two things about Danny. One is I kept imagining her saying, "I can't have the Night King mindlessly slaughtering thousands of innocent people because that's my job. <laughs> that's my job to slaughter thousands of innocent people." Um, I kept thinking she went to all that trouble to kill the Night King and then turn around and kill more people than he probably would have, would have you know. In, no, you know. We, we, we have a running joke in our house about how the Night King was the good guy. Yeah. At this point, at this point, he looked pretty good. And the other thing was, people were pointing out to me yesterday, or no, actually today, this morning on, on Twitter, like little video, a video where somebody asked Amelia Clark if she was happy about how things ended. And she kind of like did the side eye, you know, oh, yeah, you know, very sarcastic, sure. But, you know, I saw an interview with her a year ago, a year ago, where she was asked by like one of the Tonight Show type guys, she was asked um, about it. And she said, I just, something to the effect of, she said, I just, I hate the fact that people are going to leave her that you know her character with that taste in their mouths but again i i, I want to go back to what i said at the beginning i would have been okay with this but they just didn't they didn't get all the way there before they flipped the switch do you know right. what i'm saying yeah they they didn't build the railroad tracks to to deliver this they they, they thought they did they think I get, they I think get they that. did they think they did that's the thing that's even more frustrating is Benioff and Weiss are high-fiving each other that they connected all the dots. Mm -hmm. And we're all out here going, well, again, you connected the dots, but it didn't make a picture. <laughs> it made some dots connected because you used a ruler. You know, It's like if you're trying to connect dots in a curve and there's just like a straight line from B to W. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no logical flow to it. They just, they just dragged the dang dot over and connected it with an anchor. And we're going, no, that's not, you know, so. Well, part of that is John. So let's transition. We've already talked a little bit about him. I, I am to the point that I have no confidence. I have a no confidence vote in John scheduled. Um, John has I, been. I, I'll other, vote yes on that. You you agree with me? Yes. He's he's had he's had zero efficacy. He we keep getting told how much everybody loves him and everybody wants him to lead them and yet he never leads anybody anywhere good and he he acquits himself on an individual basis well, but I've never seen I mean Rob was a much better military commander than anything I've seen from John 
And did he, did John, okay, two things. I already said, did John think that giving Danny the cold shoulder when she's already isolated was the smart play? And, and let me just say, that's what I meant just now. I, I know I was saying, you know, he could pretend that he, to kiss her or whatever, but what I really meant was when you know she's isolated and desperate and miserable and very, very powerful and prone to perhaps violence, do you really want to give her the cold shoulder and shove her over the edge? instead of like giving her a nice hug and kiss and saying it'll be okay and pat her on the head. Now, I, that's condescending and, and patronizing and all that, but uh, the alternative is what she did last night, okay? So maybe she needed a little of that, okay? Now, the other thing is he led his own army and two foreign armies with zero allegiance to him, and honestly the northern army didn't like it. it had that much allegiance when they got loose, how did he think he was going to control them when the cities opened up? And B, when you recruit Dothraki to your side, shouldn't you expect some raping and pillaging to happen? Did he think they were going to bust into King's Landing and the Dothraki were going to ride in and John was going to go, okay, boys, um, 20 gold pieces for each of you. What did he think the Dothraki were going to do? Well, I forget the Dothraki, the Northmen are the same way. Again, the only yeah. – historically, the only people in that group who don't loot or pillage are the – you know, are Grey Worms people and he yeah. was over the edge. This yeah. is one of the big things about this episode. They had told – they would showed all these different battles. They had shown different kinds of fights. They had not shown the sacking of a city. Yes. And this is kind of what they wanted to portray in this episode, outside of the whole dragon nuclear weapon thing. They wanted to show the sacking of a city and how terrible that was. And they did that. They did that at street level, and, yes. And, and I don't have any problem with the fact that John couldn't control his army because that's, you know, I, I they talk a lot about that in the books, about how, you know, that's what happens when yes. cities get sacked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a reason people wall themselves into medieval cities and don't want the other army to come in. It's not just because they don't want a different king. It's because they don't want to all be raped and murdered and raped and murdered and raped. You know what I mean? It's And have everything stolen from them and left bleeding in their floor. And that's what happened. I just don't understand why John thought there was going to be some sort of civility to it when he didn't even bring an army of knights. He brought an army of foreign marauding, you know, uh, Mongols and Vikings and, you know, he brought basically the armies most likely to rape and pillage and then was surprised they wanted to rape and pillage. He's naive. Yeah, exactly. Well, that sums him up in a lot of ways. Um, so, and then, of course, Danny was no longer listening to him, and I call him Ned Jr. because it's funny how over the course of the series we found out two things. One, that Ned's not his father, and two, that he is definitely Ned's son. He's like Ned on steroids. Oh, my gosh. Everything that we were taught in the first season, in the first book, John wasn't there for. He was up at the wall. And so he just thinks you act like Ned and everything works out. Littlefinger would have John for lunch in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Sansa had to become Littlefinger to survive Littlefinger. John is, is the exact opposite. That, and that's one reason why Sans, Sansa and John, I don't think, really got along you know, we we they their 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 family affection carried them through the last season or so, but they never saw eye to eye on anything. No. And poor Arya was kind of caught in the middle, and which was the the worst thing for her is she didn't want to she didn't want to she didn't care about it anyway. She had her own agenda. She's like, why am I here caught in the middle of these two feuding siblings, quote unquote, when I don't even care? <laughs> I got people to go kill, you know. So all right, we'll get to her. Uh, Cersei and and let's Jamie let's get Cersei and Jamie together here because it all kind of comes together. Again, I'm not going to fault the showrunners and writers for having them go out the way they did. If that's how they wanted to do it, fine. Again, Rob deserved. Uh, I am. Well, all right. Rob deserved to die in glorious battle against the Lannisters. He didn't deserve to get stupid Walter Frey's arrows in his throat or whatever. So it's not the first time that characters we care about have gotten killed in a dumb way. Ned got his head chopped off in the city square instead of fighting Jamie Lannister or whatever, you know. So I, it's not the first time. But it's what I didn't like was the contrived nature to get there 
and I didn't like that I'm supposed to suddenly be sympathetic to Cersei after eight years of wanting her dead. No, I, I, I wanted her dead for eight years, and I wanted one of the many characters who wanted her dead to get to kill her. Yeah. And I get it if you say I can't have that, but I, what I don't want is a Jamie character arc that's been moving in a certain direction for eight years to suddenly reverse course yeah. in the second half of the last episode and decide he's an evil person again, rides out to be with Cersei, you know, sneak through the castle when nobody else can get in. And then the whole time I thought I'd said on this podcast, I thought he was going there to kill her and I thought he was, and then he wasn't. And then he couldn't get her out and they died because of rocks fall on him. Yeah. There was a funny tweet where it showed all the different characters that could have killed her. And it says, and, and instead she's killed by, it had a picture of the rock. <laughs> The, the the actor the rock and I'm like sure. I'm like no well, it would have been better if he had just shown up and killed her I, at least I've been like I don't know where the heck the rock came from but hey at least somebody cool killed her you know whereas he could have been like a, a turncoat Lannister soldier or something but this but this, uh, I, but he he's, to go back to Cersei for a minute mm-hmm. what was her plan this is she's been so smart and yeah. so prepared and so calculated. She's had all this time while they were up there at Winterfell, screwing around and going back and forth, fighting the Night King and all that. And what was her plan? Put the gold company out in front of the walls and stand there. There was no plan B. There was no plan C. There was no a, here's how we can get out of here if things go bad because she has a dragon and things might go bad. It was we're going to stand here and the crossbows will do it for us and we'll be fine. Like, I, I'm sorry. That was pretty stupid well plan b was denial right the fleet will save us well your majesty the fleet's on fire it's sunk well you know this will save us and then plan c was oh look it's jamie he's gonna save me well no he didn't save you either i mean at least they go out together but yeah she had earned a villain she had earned an arch villain's death and she got a c-list character death I didn't want them to go out together. I mean, again, don't do the Brienne thing if you're going to do this. Uh, well, Just don't. I disagree with one thing there, which is that he has shown multiple times over the course of the series, you know, every time he would get away from Cersei, he would turn around and come back over and over. This is not the first time. I disagree that he's had a long character arc away from her. He's been zigzagging, and he zagged. So it didn't surprise me at all that he went back to her and that he was sincere about it. And he did ring the bells, apparently, because I don't know who else could have done it but him. Um, But I just felt like he was with her in the final moments and trying to get her out alive. And he was saying, you know, forget the throne, forget being a queen. Let's just you and me get out of here together. And just the two of us go live in Essos or something or Dorne. And that, I mean, that that worked for me. I wish that he'd turned around and then Arya had been standing there and stabbed her. That would have been even better. But Arya was too busy, you know, dodging fire and screaming people and getting trampled and stuff. So um, so what about Arya? I, I only have a couple of things about her. But what did you think I, about her role? Again, I didn't like that her turn either. She she says Cersei's name at night and the mountain's name at night every day when she goes to bed. And they ride up to the castle and they get inside and the hound's like, you know what? You shouldn't do this vengeance thing. It's bad for you. She's like, okay. And walks out. Is that what happened? I thought that she got yes. the sense the no, whole thing was falling said, down. don't and, do this. Well, he said, you want to be like me, right? Or something like that. Well, and then he said, if you stay here, you're going to die. Or you get, and you're going to end up like me and die. And But she was prepared to die. She left Winterfell and said, I'm not planning on making it back. Right. So, I again, I I had a problem with her turning away from those things. Yeah. I guess it just didn't register for me that that's what she was doing. I mean, I know they, I know they were down there in the map room and they had that discussion. And he's like, you don't want to be like me. I didn't realize she turned around and left, though. I thought she was just going a different direction or something. I, I don't. No. Okay. She, she was like, "No, no vengeance for me. I'm good." Okay. And I, and I again, this is where again it's the pacing thing. 
they could have had a, an episode or two in between Winterfell and now where she and the Hound are riding on the horses and they're sitting around the campfire having this conversation back and forth and mm-hmm. a much more fully developed nuance kind of thing instead of this last second, don't do this, okay. Yeah, again, the seams are showing, right? They're connecting dots with long straight lines rather than curves and that's what's very frustrating, yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, that 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 one bothers me. It's just that it wasn't as obvious to me because with so much going on, I just kind of missed that mm-hmm. that's what she did. I thought she just realized the whole place was about to crash and that Cersei was going to be dead anyway, and she needed to get the heck out of Dodge, or she would be dead also. And so she starts trying to get out and get help as many people get out as she can along the way. I was sorry though that in after, I mean, we've still got one more episode. But one of the things we expected to see was was Arya putting on somebody's face, right, and sneaking up on yes. somebody. And the only person she's done that to so far, I guess, is is Walter Frey, right? Yeah, that's disappointing. Again, like it would have been a great thing for her to do it in the in the castle. I swear, I thought that was her when Jamie came up to Cersei in the in the in the, in the down in the dungeons or whatever. I'm like, up, up. It's going to be Arya, and then I realize, oh, it is Jamie. Ah, well, uh, another missed opportunity. Um, let's see, Sansa. There's no character on this show that my view has changed of more over the course of the years, and it's not just the ham-fisted last couple of seasons. It's the overall course of the show. I never liked Sansa in the book. She was always my least favorite point-of-view character. I had zero interest in her at all. Um, over the course of the show, I haven't liked her very much, although the actress has obviously done a great job and I've cared more about her than I ever thought I would. But I got to tell you, from the end of last season through now, she seems like the only person with any kind of royal blood that has a clue what she's doing. Right now, she's my number one choice to, to be the, the ruler of whatever little is left when all this is over. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. In fact, I tweeted a picture today of Sansa, Arya, and Brienne, and I said the queen, the queen, the hand of the queen, and the head of the queen's guard. Now I realize Arya is not hand of the queen material, but still, you know what I mean. It, she could do it. She could mm-hmm. do it. Um, yeah, I just did. Did you ever expect Sansa to look like the the most level headed, calculating, sane leader, and that everything she said turned out to be true all along, and John was the stupid idiot? All along, I I just didn't see it coming. I, I didn't see it coming, but she's there. She's there, yeah. So, so clap for Sansa. And and, and it, it ties into the next character we're talking about, Tyrion, which is yeah. again, he used to be the smartest person. Yeah, and he's been a complete idiot for two <sighs> seasons plus, and it continued in this episode. He hasn't had a you know we every episode John every episode you and I sit here and say you know Tyrion <laughs> has got to get a win soon, and yeah. honestly when Danny said to him you know don't fail me again I'm like he, you should have set fire to him when you set fire to Varys in fact somebody asked me last week before this episode somebody asked me you know who do I think is going to be on the throne who this and they said they actually said I think Tyrion's going to be on our throne I was like. I'm like, if I were Danny, I'd have already set Tyrion on fire and Varys on fire and probably John on fire. I, I'd be I'd be working my way through middle management at this point because these people are uh, leading her astray. I, you know, this time last season, I was, you know, enamored of all of them. But at this point, they're all the gang that can't shoot straight. I have no confidence in any of them. The, they're all on the hot seat <laughs> to use our college football terminology. It, Tyrion's on the hot seat. Tyrion's forty million dollar contract as a as a as the offensive coordinator for Danny is really uh, starting to look like a bad investment. <laughs> He's really going to be in the hot seat next week, I think. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's no kidding. Um, so he did make a good effort, right? He came up with more plans, and it's 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 really tragic in a way because what Tyrion is doing, and 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 let me just say, for all that we're saying about the characters. Man, Peter Dinklage is just killing it. He is he he needs, oh, he's he, awesome. He needs another Emmy. I mean, I thought most of the actors all were doing fantastic jobs. Uh, Maisie Williams as Arya, just killing it. Um, 
The Hound is really uh, good too. He's, he's so good. good. Amelia Clark with what she's got to work with. I mean, you know, and and Cersei. I mean, that's the thing is that a lot of this show, the last few episodes, a lot of it, especially some of the female characters, a lot. Well, and John too, honestly, has been their facial expressions. Right? It's been Cersei's overconfident hubris. And then it comes this sort of uh, denial. And she totally sells that without saying a word. And for Amelia Clark, it's been loss and frustration and fury. And she totally sells that. Even if the script leaves her short, she's done what she could with it. And with John, it's been sort of befuddlement and, and, and hopelessness and not knowing what to do. And he's, he's done a fine job with that. And I think that, that um, Dinklage, he has absolutely sold... Tyrion as this character who is just trying to do the right thing, trying to help people, trying to save lives, knows that everybody, you know, that people hate him just for who he is and what he is, and is and is basically on this thin ice with his boss, you know. And trying, you know, on the one hand, he's trying to do everything he can to do the right thing, and on the other hand, he's trying to keep her happy. Because he knows if he doesn't keep her happy, not only is he going to die, a whole lot of other people are going to die. And, I mean, he's he's done a great job with that. But as terms of the character, though, I mean, the bell plan, you know, he's like, look, Danny, they're going to ring the bells. That means you don't have to have a barbecue, right? Listen for the bells, your, your grace, you know? And she's like, she never, I mean, John was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And Danny's like, eh. You know, I mean, get beef. To be fair, you know, she never said she was going to spare anybody. John is like, oh, I don't want to have to kill anybody. What? I've got an out. Awesome, right? When the bell rings, man, we stop killing. Hear that, everybody? When the bell rings, we stop <laughs> killing. And Danny's like, eh, maybe we'll see. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And Grey Worm's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not stopping. Not stopping. Nope. Um. The ha- hey, all right, Clegane Bowl. I've actually seen some people crapping on Clegane Bowl, and I've got to say, you people are crazy. If everything else in this episode was to some degree disappointing, come on, man. What? How spoiled are we if you were disappointed in Clegane Bowl? I mean, you've got the Hound battling a an undead zombie brother in armor up on this crumbling parapet with flames everywhere on television what were you wanting <laughs> i mean were you wanting thanos and thor or something i mean no it, it I, was never going to get any better i than wanted this. was for it to mean something else like that again the mountain has been cersei's bodyguard so the whole part of the idea of Bowl was they had to get through the mountain to get to cersei but that wasn't what happened it, it didn't matter I mean, the only thing that mattered was just the for the yeah. two of them. I, that's all I cared about was the two of them. So when Cersei went by, I'm like, yeah, get out of the way. We'll deal with you later. But because I didn't want the Hound to kill her. But I, I, the whole idea was the Hound would fight off his brother and, and probably die doing it so somebody else could get to Cersei. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Again, see, John, I, I got, I, I've, I've agreed with you up till now. But at this point, I think you're really wanting it to match what you imagined. And I don't agree i feel like i wanted i didn't care about the circumstances i didn't care what stadium it was in i I didn't care what the stakes were i just wanted them to fight and i can't imagine a more epic battle than what we got between the two of them i just no. again it was it was well done it was a great fight i fine with how it went and i thought it was it was really kick-ass um yeah, it was it was really crazy, and I'm glad they took Gregor's armor off and all that, um, yeah. and to show him that was really scary. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it was, again, it it lived up to everything I wanted out of Clegane Bowl, other than the fact that I, you know, the I thought the mountain would still be protecting her. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of lost interest in everything, including uh, if we skip on down for a second into Clyburn. But I have to I, say, <laughs> but I gotta I gotta say first, I love that. That the the hound put a dagger all the way through, or a short sword, or something, all the way through the mountain's head. It it looked like a dagger, but on him, it must have been a shorter. It must have been a longer blade. And he's just, and the mountain's kind of like, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing serious. It's just right through the center of my head. And he pulls it out or whatever. Um, Kyburn. I mean, 
a kind of an ignominious end, but that's kind of what he deserved, right? I mean, surely we didn't need anything more grandiose. Killed by yeah, his own was, creation. It was, and right? it was funny. Yeah, killed by his own creation. That's that's good. That's justice right there. Um, Varys, I, we talked about it a little bit already, but I, if I'm Danny, I'm totally setting him on fire. You can't get more treacherous than what he was doing. He's he's wishy washy. He's I mean, in retrospect, yeah, he was right, but he didn't know that, and he's going against the advice of everybody else. He'd have been better suited to just sneak into her bedchamber and and strangle her or something than, you know, sending I, out I, letters. Well, I think when he was talking to the little girl about her eating, I think he was trying to poison Danny. Ah, but then she wasn't eating. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. That that does kind of make sense. Um. So, yeah, he gets burned up, and that's her, her general way of execution is just to set you on fire. At least but, I was when, when I saw how powerful that fire was, though, I'm thinking, okay, he didn't suffer much because that fire is like a blast furnace. He's like obliterated, like an atomic bomb went off. But I got to look back and say he was right. Yeah. Everybody else was wrong. He's right. I know. Well, it's because everybody else was a bunch of idiots, and we're realizing that now. You know, again, I, I'm – it's kind of like, you know, re-ranking the top 25 after every Saturday, you know. I'm I'm re-ranking them now in terms of desirability and honestly, an alcoholic evil queen like Cersei now is higher up than a crazy person who sets fire to cities because she's mad. I mean, in every way, in every, you know, connotation of the word. I yeah, and John again, John stock dropping, Tyrion stock dropping. Uh, Danny stock dropping, Cersei stock stock rising, even though she's dead, um, and senses through the roof right now. Um, Euron, we didn't care about him in life. We don't care about him in death. He's gotten to do way more than that character ever should have gotten to do. Again, in the TV show, he's a cartoon character villain. He's he cheesy and stupid. He's a better character in the books and. And I didn't, we didn't, I didn't care about his fight with Jamie and I didn't need to see it. Like I'd have been happy if he just blew up on the ship. Yeah. I mean, what was the point of, if Jamie's going to die anyway in a, in a rock slide, what was the point of him being stabbed by freaking Euron just so that Nothing. he could kill Euron? Yes. Okay. Well, and then Euron didn't even die. He just lay there laughing or something. I killed Jamie Lester. Well, congratulations. Here's your trophy. Now die. I, somebody summed it up very well. I forgot where I read it this morning, but they said Euron seemed like a pirate character from some other show that wandered over. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Um, uh, Davos. The only question I have about Davos, because he didn't do a whole lot in this episode, he's he's like older John now. He just stands around with a befuddled look on his face going, what's going on? I mean... Where's the wise sage council we got in years past? He, they're just the, all at the mercy of Danny. The, the the wise sage council requires time for conversation, yeah. and we don't do that. We don't do conversation in this these latter days. What was Tyrion? Was it Tyrion or was it somebody else? Somebody. No, he, Tyrion wanted him to smuggle a boat and smuggle Jamie, basically. Mm. It, it, to oh, the uh, boat, yeah, to pick Jane. Cove, so he could go in and get Cersei and get out. Yeah, that's right. Which is another thing that should get Tyrion burned on fire, set on fire. Uh, a hundred, a breaking, breaking Jamie out. I mean, outside of whatever else happens, breaking Jamie out because the the Unsullied are going to tell her that he did that, and then she's going to kill him for that at the beginning of the next episode. So. <clears throat> So I'm thinking, with Jamie dead and Cersei dead, well, with Jamie dead, there's nobody left to get vengeance on Danny for killing Tyrion, and I don't see Jon Snow going. I wasn't going to kill you, Danny, but since you killed Tyrion, I've got to kill you. I mean, what? What? And and, and we know now. Let me reiterate: we know now that everything that happens on this show this season happens not because it's a logical outgrowth of the characters. It happens because the plot needs it to, right? That's the Lindelofing of Game of Thrones. Things happen because the narrative demands that it happen. So 
if Danny kills Tyrion, what does that what plot point does that serve? Because you got to think that when she does something, it's to make something else happen. The, the the show has become dominoes falling the way they want them to fall. I think that's maybe it's the last straw that pushes John over the edge into conspiring with Arya and Davos and whoever else. All right. Well, we're going to make our predictions in just a second. Um, the last couple, I, I was saying there went Bronze getting Highgarden, right? Because if Tyrion gets killed and Jamie's already dead, who's there to say that Bronze gets Highgarden? Nobody. Well, well, and the consolation prize again was River Run, but that was from Cersei. Yeah. So, so he, I don't think he's getting either. He's back to being a wandering mercenary again. Oh man, there went his, there went his social security. Uh, and so then this the, is the other scenario for Tyrion, though, that Bronze shows up and shoots him. Oh God! I thought you were gonna say and breaks him out or something, but yeah, I get to no. this point. Yeah, uh, and finally, the Golden Company. If only they'd brought their elephants. <laughs> Think how much better off, right? Because the Dothraki would have had barbecued elephant to eat after the after the victory. I, I did appreciate how how long they lasted in this fight. It was really funny. Yes. The Golden Company. I, and in fact, I would have enjoyed it more if I had realized at the time that that was the Lannister army inside the city. Because they're all wearing gold. you know. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's more of the Golden Company. Later I realized, oh, that army that surrendered was, and then picked their swords back up were the Lancaster, I mean the Lannisters. I would have enjoyed that more if I'd realized it. Because I hate the Lannisters and want them all to freaking die. And if I'd realized that's who they were, I'd have been on Grey Worm's side like, heck yeah, kill them all. They're freaking Lannisters and I just can't stand them. Going back eight years, you know. But um, is that wrong of me? I'm sorry. But I don't care. It's a TV show and I can feel that way. But yeah, the Golden Company, I don't think Cersei got her money's worth at all there. Um, any other moments that we haven't mentioned or characters we've neglected? I think I thought I was pretty comprehensive on the characters between what you had just and what like I had. The scenes with Arya running around the rubble, that didn't do a lot for me. Oh, oh, I didn't mention. But the, all right, well, the last thing then for the, for that, she gets the horse, and it's a pale horse, and I'm thinking, death rides a pale horse, right? I, as, yes, as soon yes. as that horse that, came that up, was the metaphor hitting you in the head, hitting me in the head like a friggin' baseball bat from swung by the mountain was that she is death riding a pale horse. So, see. When the when when Benioff and Weiss said a couple of weeks ago that in the writers' room they kind of all looked at each other and said, "Hey, let's let Arya kill the Night King." Well, that told me a couple of things. One, if she kills the Night King, she can't really go and kill Cersei because that would be the two big bads being killed by the same character. And a show this big, that would just be weird, right? To have the same. If 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 it was the Arya show starring Arya, then yes. But on a show with this many other leads, you don't have one do both because it kind of devalues all the rest of them. That she has to do everything. Okay, so there was no way Arya was ever going to kill Cersei after she killed the Night King. But the other thing I was wondering was when they decided to let her kill the Night King, did that mean she wasn't going to be killing anybody else? So I'm wondering what's left for her to do now. I think she no, her getting on the pale horse means she's going to kill Danny. Her seeing the people die in the streets, her okay. and see their suffering at the Danny's hands means that right. she is gonna go yeah. kill Danny. Yeah, and John may want to stop her and may not at this point. We don't know. L- all right, last question on this then. I want to know what you think about this. We have rooted for Danny through thick and thin for seven and three quarters seasons. We loved her. She was one of our favorite characters. We wanted her to succeed. When she got on the boat to come to Westeros, that was one of the high points of the entire story. We loved it at the end of that season. Have they succeeded in just a couple of episodes? And I know people are going to say, no, no, they've been playing, they've been planting the seeds for years that she could go crazy. I know. But as you and I have documented tonight already, they haven't 
it's it's like if we need to get her from New York to Los Angeles, and they've been documenting getting her from New York to Cleveland, and in one episode they took her from Cleveland to Los Angeles. That's the problem I think that we have, right? A hundred percent. Again, they, you're right. It's a good analogy because she was going that direction. Yeah, and so they they were heading that way, but they didn't finish it. No, and they didn't get, go far enough for me to buy it. So that being said, I'm glad we're all right. So we're on the same page there. That being said, are you down with killing her as the only solution now, or or are you mad that they forced it into this and you don't want it to be that way? Is that that makes sense? Sure. How, how do I, you how do you feel about her if if she's killed in the last episode? I honestly like again, it's TV show Danny now, and TV show Danny just killed a million people. Yeah, that's the population of King's Landing. Yeah. Okay, and so I think she has to die. Okay, and she needs to die, and so I want Arya or John or all of the whoever else, all of the above, okay. Davos, Tyrion, whoever else, to kill her in the next episode. So, I want that to happen. So seven seasons of Danny, the good guy, the good girl that we were rooting for, doesn't matter. After this one incident, you're ready to th- throw her out the win- throw her to the she, to the wolves. No pun intended. It, one incident is. Would a bit of a statement. I I, I realize that. <laughs> I, I mean one. St- I mean, I, oh, you're exactly right. I mean one incident in terms of like TV sure. episodes and script yes. points. No, a hundred percent. And I again, we loved Daenerys in my house. Mm-hmm. Like we're there. Like I, you know, my wife and my daughters are Team Targaryen. Yes, me but, too. Uh, I was. You know, they. That's why it hurts so much. Yeah. For them to see her, to for to for her to go this way without them laying the foundation to get there, right. you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they took this character that we we appreciated so much, and then it was like a like a piece of metal that they bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, instead of instead of finishing the arc, they just like just like grab the pliers and bend it. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's all the more frustrating because we liked her. It, it, it. I, I think we would have been okay with it if it was justified, if it was earned. We wouldn't be yeah. happy about it. But there's, as I said, there's been a lot on this series that we're not happy about, but we can accept it because it's earned. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Last thing. Predictions. What's going to happen on the next episode? And will anybody out there be happy about it? <laughs> I, uh, it's a good question. I, I, again, Oh, 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 John, is the iron throne still intact? No, I think they're going to mean after this episode. No, I mean, right. I mean, right now after last night, cause the red keep got blowed up. Right. Uh, again, there was a, there's two visions they had early in the show that foretold this. Okay. One was Bran had a vision of a dragon shadow over King's Landing. And the first one was Danny was in Carth in the Warlock's Tower. There was a vision of the throne room in King's Landing mm-hmm. and the Iron Throne. And the the room was in rubble and the, the roof was destroyed. And there was like this gray white stuff falling everywhere. And at the time you thought you assumed that it was snow, mm. that this was a White Walker winter is coming kind of thing. But in hindsight, it was clearly ash, and they were setting this up. Yeah, and that was like in season two or three. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so the, the throne room is still intact. It's just got holes in it and stuff. Yeah. So I think All she's right. going to walk in there next season, next episode. Um, but no, my prediction is again, she. I think she probably kills Tyrion, or tries to kill Tyrion at the beginning of the episode for freeing Jamie. I think mm-hmm. she. Um, I think uh, John and Arya and Tyrion and Davos and whoever else try to kill her because they can't live with what she's done. Um, and I think Arya is going to succeed in killing her, even if it, she dies doing it. And I think it, here's the big my big prediction. I think if Jon Snow lives, he will not be king. He'll be too upset by what happened and how he never wanted to be king and all that. And he's going to go back and he's going to end up just walking out in the woods in the north. Yeah. That's going to be his, 
Um, but and all I want, you know, you said what will I be happy with? I just want a couple of minutes of characters I care about at the end, like an epilogue, like Sam and Gilly living happy ever after and Sansa living happy ever after. <laughs> uh, you know, th- th- that's what I want. Who ends up on the throne, Gendry? <laughs> I mean, who are you I, left with? I, that's like, again, I, again, I, I think at that point it's going to be like Sansa. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I think like they probably ask her to be queen. She's the queen in the north. I don't know. I mean, it's just as funny that the Baratheons currently have the legit claim, at least until Danny takes over, and he's been legitimized. Although by Danny, who's about to be sworn in as the legitimate ruler, so Gendry to me seems like the uh, logical person to end up as the king. Nobody's going to make him the king. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, again, they made it, freaking it, Joffrey the king. I mean, I know, but again, it's not about lawyers and queens. Yeah, all that. it's about we've, armies we've, and yeah, and who's smart enough to take it and control it or whatever. And we've talked about that. Yeah, the, the I, Lannisters are gone. The Starks are in the north. The Baratheons are are him. There's just he, but he's really, like he's knocking on the gate and, and like, hey, I'm here, and they're like, go away. I Who are you? well, Who are you know, you? I I told my wife. I said, you know, when they were back in Storm's End last night after the first you know encounter, they went back up to Storm's End, and I said, when they leave to march south, Gendry's going to be standing there going, uh, can I come in now? <laughs> I thought he's going to be standing outside with his suitcases. <laughs> You know, because he's like, they gave him that castle and then they took it back over again. I'm just seeing Gendry standing around waiting like, nah, nah, you know. All right. I just I just don't know who's left at that point. I just don't feel like we have anybody left that can legitimately rule. If John, I agree that I think the very last, at this point, clearly Danny's the one that's going to die. We've always said that one of the two of them was going to die. And I think at this point, it's clearly Danny. So I would be happy it, if nothing... It could be both of them. Yeah, but I would be happy if the very last shot we see before it fades to black for the last time is John walking up north and bending down and, and, and Ghost comes running up and we get that John hugging Ghost shot we didn't get the last episode, you know. That's right. That would work as a good ending for me. But in terms of who's going to rule, if anybody, I, I just don't know who's left. I just, I don't see any of them. Other, I mean, again, Sansa's the only one that has the sense to do it, and I just don't see her leaving Winterfell. And and I don't know what claim she has. Other, I mean, she was married to Tyrion. Are you going to say that it goes to Tyrion, but he's dead because he was the little brother of the queen, and then goes to her as the wife of the, you know, kind of like the way Cersei got it from Baratheon? I mean, I've... I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll find out in a couple of days, a few days. So, all right. Any last thoughts? Please write the books, yeah. George. That's what George. I need. I need a different. I need to see how you get there. I need to see how you're going to connect the dots, George. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode. We've got, John, we've only got one more to go. One more to go after all this time. It's it's hard to believe. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week for our big wrap-up, and we'll slice and dice the whole thing up and tell you what we thought about it and and talk about it. Until then, the Rocket's going to get out of here for another episode. Uh, Thanks a bunch, John. Happy. All right. See you later. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.